Welcome to the Badger's Tales. Join me each episode as we wander the wild woodlands of Irish storytelling, foraging for the often forgotten stories of Ireland's past. Hello and welcome back to a Badger's Tale. It's myself, Mark, and I'm going to start calling this season two because there's been such a break between episode eight and episode nine. So, yeah, this is season two. I've still been busy every day with my daytime job, which is storytelling and running the National Leprechaun Museum. Uh, But also I've been busy online with uh, my passion that is TikTok and going out about the place, collecting sticks, visiting ancient sites. Um, In the first eight episodes, I covered everything from stories of pukas, of grown men throwing babies into lakes, foxes causing trouble, men killing their mothers and, and... and even stories of people who didn't have a story. But today I'm gonna go to a classic tale. Now, I first became familiar with this story as it was told by Thomas Croft and Croker, or rather as it was collected by Thomas Croft and Croker. And this is a story called The Legend of Knock Grafton. Now, Knock Grafton is a place that I have visited twice. It's down in Tipperary, both times with a, a cohort of storytellers, but it's very different when you've been in a place where you've stood there and and really kind of soaked it in. So when you tell that story to people, you've got a familiarity with it. Um, but it's not just the place in this story, it's, it's also the characters. So I'm going to tell you the story, have a listen, and I'll be straight back after it for a bit more of a chat and to fill you in on what's going on over the next little while. So sit back, listen, and enjoy. Once there was a man known by the name of Lusmore, and Lusmore lived by the river shore where he cut reeds for his basket weaving. He was incredibly talented. He made these beautiful creations and they were very popular with everyone, just as popular as he was. He was always kind and cheery, despite the fact that he had what many would consider an affliction. Lusmore had a massive hump on his back. So heavy was this hump that it actually folded him over. But Lusmore wasn't the type of person to let him hold him back, and he wasn't one to complain. He'd work all week getting ready for the big market at the weekend. He'd be up before the sun on a Saturday morning, with a good hot cup of herbal tea. He'd do the stretches that he could, make his bed, and then he'd load himself up with his baskets and his creations and he'd be out the door before the sun had even rose. Now, for you or me, the walk would take about three hours, but for Lusmore, it took more like four, and his view wasn't even all that interesting, because he'd walk along, looking at his feet, unable to stand up straight and look at the horizon or look up at the sky. But he made the most of it. Turning his head to either side, he could watch what was on the ground by the hedgerows, and sure that's where he saw his favourite flower growing. Foxglove, or as it's known in Irish, Lusmore. And you see, that's how he got his name. He would pluck a piece of the foxglove and put it in his hat, so everyone would recognise him by the bright pink flowers. Of course, he didn't need the flowers to be recognised by anyone. In the little market town, he was always greeted with shouts of, Morning Lusmore, hello Lusmore and it always put a smile on his face. He'd set up his little stall, 
always with offers of help. Some of the other merchants were his most loyal customers. They loved nothing more than displaying their wares in one of Lusmore's creations. They'd give him samples of their cheeses and their breads and their most delicious goods because they knew that while Lusmore was selling to a customer, he'd be telling the customer about all the wonderful things he'd tasted that morning. And it always worked out well for everyone. Honestly, I think Lusmore could have been home by lunchtime if he'd just sold his wares and headed off home, but he loved having the chats and being around the hustle and the bustle. Sometimes it'd work out well that when he did finish up in the evening, that he'd be offered a lift home, just if someone was going that way. But it's not like he minded the walk anyway. On this particular day, Lusmore had stayed chatting to some of the locals, and everyone else had gone by the time it was time for Lusmore to head off home. And he didn't mind too much. He was sore and a little bit stiff, but the walk was good exercise. Thankfully, he didn't have anything to carry back home with him, bar the money and the cheese and the foods in his pockets. The first half of Lusmore's journey home was easy enough. He was whistling as he went, looking at the tracks on the road, and hearing noises on either side in the hedgerows as the animals were settling down for the evening. It wasn't until the halfway point that he really started to feel tired. And as he looked down at his shoes, he noticed they were becoming quite worn, and that would explain why his feet were so sore this day. But, if he had a good week next week, he'd just buy himself a pair of shoes, or maybe just get these ones mended by one of the talented shoemakers at the market. But now, the more tired he got, and the more sore his feet became, the slower he walked. It was getting quite dark, and he actually thought for once he wouldn't make a home at a decent time. But it was a mild night, so he did something a little out of the ordinary. Seeing a mound in the field beside him, and some trees, he decided that he'd settle himself down there, have a rest, and then get back on the road again. As he lay against the hill, taking the strain off his feet, from his pockets he pulled some bread and cheese that he'd been gifted and munched away. His eyes were getting heavy and he thought he just closed them for a little while to rest his eyes as he rested his feet. But Lusmore must have fallen asleep because when he opened his eyes it was almost like he hadn't it was that dark. He had to rub his eyes to make sure they were indeed open but around him there was only darkness. But what had woken him up? He could hear something very faint, something that had disturbed his sleep. And it sounded like music, it sounded like singing. But it was coming from higher up and behind him. Lusmore managed to get himself on to his hands and knees. And as much as he could, he bent his neck and looked up the hill to where he could see a faint light. Lusmore crawled on all fours, slow and steady and silent, to the top of the hill. He needed to know where the light and the music was coming from. Lusmore couldn't believe his eyes with what he was seeing. The good folk, the wee folk dancing around in circles and singing, that was the music, that was the noise. They danced around a small fire, dancing merrily and singing a happy tune. De lune de mart, de lune de mart, de lune de mart, was what the good folk were singing. 
Now, for those of you that don't speak Irish, that just means Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. Their singing was sweet and Lusmore found himself tapping his foot, almost enchanted and he couldn't hold back when he just joined in with their song and added, Day care, teen. Realising what he'd done, Lusmore was frozen to the spot in fear and silence. But the wee folk seemed happy. They danced over to where he was hiding at the edge of the hill and they, they picked him up and carried him over near the fire. They were delighted with him. Some of them were still singing and he'd added in what Lusmore had added. They loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they kadeen. Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And in all of this, Lusmore felt so safe. Surrounded by these little people, no taller than two hands, men, women, everything in between, just dancing and singing and laughing around him. Soon he was singing along with them, pulling the foods and delicious treats from his pockets. They were all sharing and laughing together and singing this song. Lusmore found himself singing along with them, having a great time. Until one of the wee folk, a particularly regal looking gentleman, stood up straight and clapped his hands together. The singing stopped. The gingling and the murmurs carried on and the atmosphere was still magical. But the wee man spoke up. Oh, Lusmore, said he. Lusmore, you have gifted us. You have added to our tune and I would argue that is the greatest gift in all the land. Something about this man talking to him and knowing his name suddenly made it all very real. And again, Lusmore was slightly nervous. Lusmore, you have gifted us and we must return the favour, said the wee man. Tell me, if we could give you anything in the world, what would it be that you'd be asking for? Lusmore thought for a moment. He looked at his life and how good it was, how much joy he had, how much he enjoyed the work that he did. He looked down for a moment at his tattered, broken shoes and thankfully he thought a bit longer. He then looked at the little man and said, As great as my life is, I know it would be better if I didn't have this hump on my back. I'm never able to just look up at the blue sky and look around me. My head is always pointed towards the ground and my tattered shoes. Say no more, said the little man, and all of a sudden he clapped his hands again, and all the wee folk around him, the men and the women, they, they climbed all over Lusmore, giggling and laughing. He found it quite ticklish. He was laughing so much as he was being rolled around that he started to get dizzy. He started to see stars, and soon he felt faint as he was being rolled backwards. Then he found himself rolling back down the hill faster and faster, and eventually everything went dark. Lusmore awoke the next morning, his head a bit sore, feeling dishevelled and bruised. But he got himself to his feet, started to dust himself off, and as he looked down the ground to see if he'd dropped anything, he noticed the shoes on his feet. Beautiful brogues, polished and perfect. He couldn't believe it. The night before came flooding back to Lusmore. Everything that had happened and the shoes on his feet were proof, if any proof was needed. But surely no one would believe him anyway. So he pointed himself towards home and he looked down the road. 
he looked straight ahead. He was amazed. He looked up, realising he was standing upright. He knew that the shoes weren't the only gift that the wee folk had given him. They'd taken the hump from his back. Suddenly he was upright. He couldn't believe it. He raised his hands and his face to the sky. He felt great. Apart from the scratches and bruises being rolled down the hill and a night having been spent outdoors, Lusmore felt amazing. He made his way home. With a spring and a step, whistling, what was now a very familiar tune. They loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they kading. When Lusmore strode into his little town, it took people a moment to realise that it was him. The bright beaming smile on his face, a face that many of them had never seen. Mostly they saw the, the top of his head. Over the next few days, Lusmore told a story to anyone who would listen. People would come to his little home and listen to the story while he was weaving baskets with a newfound energy. Everyone's delighted for Lusmore. Well, actually, not quite everyone. You see, there was a woman who'd heard the story. A woman from the next town over, known as Mrs. Madden. And the thing is, is that she had a son who was similar in one way to Lusmore. Her son, Jack Madden, had a hump on his back. But he'd nothing else in common with Lusmore. He was bitter, mostly from being browbeaten by his mother, who resented the fact that he even existed. But he did nothing for himself. I would have had sympathy for his mother, the fact that she had to wheel him around in a barrow, if it wasn't for the fact she was twice as mean. But it was her son who received most of her scorn. As soon as Mrs Madden heard the story of Lusmore, she went straight back home, kicking the front door in and roaring for her lazy son. Of course, he was exactly where she'd left him. She took him out of the house, in the barrow, marching him down the road, telling him exactly what he was going to do. He was going to go to the same hill, and if Lusmore had been given brand new shoes and had his hump taken from his back for giving them one day, well surely, if he gave them two, they would throw riches upon him and take his hump away. Well, it's not like Jack Madden had much of a choice. He went wherever his mother pushed him, and she berated him on the whole journey until they arrived at the hill at Knockgrafton. When they got there, it wasn't quite dark yet. Mrs Madden plonked her son down at the top of the hill while she went back down to the bottom and settled herself down. Soon she was snoring her head off while her son Jack was perched on top of the hill. He was getting tired too though and he started to doze off. He was snoring lightly away in the bushes when he was awoken by a tune. It was the wee folk singing their song and dancing by the firelight. They loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they kadeen. They loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they loon, they mart, they kadeen. Well, Jack Madden didn't even wait. He didn't have the timing nor the voice of Lusmore, and he just belted out, Auguste Erdine, Auguste Hainia. It was an assault on the wee folk's ears. He just roared in and interrupted them with no consideration whatsoever. So while they laughed and joked and sang with Lusmore, the wee folk just jumped and climbed all over Jack Madden, beating him with their sticks and roaring at him. 
Again, the regal wee man stood up and clapped, and everyone fell to silence. Apart from Jack Madden, who was whimpering away. Jack Madden now, you've come along here and roared your head off at us, hoping for a prize I'm sure after the way we looked after Lusmore. Jack nodded. Well, I had kind of hoped that I'd get something out of these, you know. I'm after all, I'm after giving you two days. The wee man looked at him, cocked his head to the side and said, Oh, we have just a gift for you, Jack Madden. Don't we, lads? They all started to laugh and climb all over Jack Madden again, spinning him around, rolling and tumbling him, and they pushed him back down the hill again. Well, he rolled and he tumbled and he tumbled and he rolled. And when he landed at the end, he landed right on his mother and she let out a scream. Jack was passed out in his mother's lap, but he was soon woken up by her screams and her slaps roaring for the lazy loaf to get off her. When she stood up, she looked down at her son. The hump hadn't been taken. He had been given a gift and the gift that the wee folk gave him was a second hump. Lusmore's hump. You see, the good folk are quick to reward those that are kind and respectful. But for those that are greedy and ill-mannered and disrespect them, well, things tend not to work out too well for them. Well, I have to say, that is one of my favourites. It's one of my favourite stories to tell, but I don't think I've ever told it the same way twice, which makes me great, very grateful to be an Irish storyteller because that's the style of how we do things. Um, I think it's really important to tell this story differently than it was probably told even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, because Lusmore being one of my favourite characters has always been uh, you know, painted in a particular way. He often gets referred to as a hunchback, which is a term that I don't like. Um, I prefer to say that he had a hump on his back because, well, he did. Um, but he's an amazing character. And it's all, all too often that you see characters like Lusmore or characters who have a something different about their, their physicalities or disabled, you know, being painted as, as the bad guys you know if a character has a scar on their face or has a limp then they're naturally bad in the stories but Lusmore is such a delightful character and how he goes about his business is just he's a credit to his mother is what I'd say um, but he is a great character and his outlook on life is something that I think we could all learn from because when you contrast him with Jack Madden and I think a lot of Jack Madden's you know, issues stem from his mother more so than from himself, you know, and how he's been reared. And sure, isn't that, isn't that usually the way? But Lusmore's attitude and approach to everything is incredible. And this idea of him, like, looking down at his feet, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, imagery in the story, um, how I like to paint it anyway, that I really enjoy. It almost sounds like I'm singing my own praises, and in many ways I am. Um... But it's an incredible story. And like I said before the story started off, I really enjoyed the fact that I've visited that site. I've stood and told stories and gathered with friends, much like the you know the fairy folk or the good folk had in that story. I've done that. And that just gives an extra layer to it that I love. I also love Lusmore's name. I'd love to know what his actual name was. You know, he's one of these um, 
single-use characters, as I referred to them, where you don't hear from them again. But of course, he's named Lusmore for the sprig of foxglove that he has in his hair. Well, not in his hair, rather, in his hat. Or to be honest, I've never seen him, so I don't know how he wears it. But uh, what's strange is the foxglove, as beautiful as it is, and it gets called everything, you know, from banshees, fingers, to fairies, gift. It was believed that it could uh, take away a curse or that had been placed on a child by the fairy folk. But the foxglove is actually poisonous. You're not meant to handle it. Uh, you're meant to wear gloves if you handle it. Because even though your fingers and that and your skin may not react to it, um, the substance that comes off in your skin, if you were to touch your eyes or your mouth or your nose, you know, if you ingested it, is really, really bad for you. So they always recommend that you that you wear gloves. It's also the flower on it. If you're not familiar with it, you should look it up. But the flower on it is one that's very often depicted in imagery of, I suppose, the more Victorian idea of fairies, where the flower on it be worn as a hat or a dress. Um, but it's funny to see Lusmore choosing to have something on his person which is beautiful but poisonous, um, which I don't really think ties into him as a character. There's nothing poisonous about him. But I would love to see an animated version of this story. You know, there's something about the hustle and the bustle of the marketplace and his, his walk that I just love to see it animated. Not necessarily, I wouldn't want to see it in like live action, but definitely an animated series of Irish stories is something that I would, I would, I would love. You know, there's so much to enjoy about the story and the imagery of, it, as I said, that just having an extra an extra level on it would be incredible. There, there is actually a really nice uh, depiction of Lusmore dancing with the fairies, even though it's just a black and white, very simple silhouette, actually, by John D. Batten, who is, or rather was, um, continues to be an inspiration. Um, John D. Batten's illustrations for folk tales and fairy tales um, are incredible. A lot of a lot of books that I have have his depictions in them, and in the Leprechaun Museum where I work. They've got a great depiction of the legend of Knockcraft and Handlos more dancing with the fairies. Well, listen, that's as much as I'm going to say on this story because my take on it is simply that, just my take. I'm sure a hundred people could listen to this story, and I hope a hundred of you do, um, would all take different things from it. I'd love to hear back some suggestions for other stories that you'd want to hear. As I said, this is season two, and while I've planned out the stories, the eight stories for these episodes... Um, I'm always ready to record more and, um, you know, and switch them around a little bit, depending on what people want. I would also like to say that a lot of the stories that I recorded in the first season, I'm going to be recording in video format. I will be posting them um, onto my YouTube channel, which just hit 100 subscribers, and I'm really happy about that. And I'm also starting my Patreon in about a week. I've been posting up a few bits and pieces about that, but it's where you can get extra episodes of the podcast, uh, behind the scenes, extra videos, and content that way. You also get uh, early access to a lot of the content that goes up as well. But for now, off you go and enjoy yourselves. Uh, maybe go back and listen to some of the other episodes. Please do reach out and get in touch if you have any suggestions. You can always find me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on them all. I'm on them all, and I don't manage to do any of them particularly well, um, but it's all its all about uh, enjoying it. That's why I do this. So thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you all again soon, and look after yourselves. Goodbye. <laughs>